Welcome to the Open Mic, episode two of the Open Mic, O-P-I-N. We are back for another episode. I am your host, Susie Kendrick, the marketing manager here at Open Software. So the Open Mic is a podcast powered by Passion for Drupal, from selling and marketing to design and development. It's a unique peek into digital agency life at Open Software. So here at the Open Mic, we like to take a holistic view on the business of Drupal and all the intricate pieces that come together to make a digital agency successful. And each month, we find two unique guests who are experts in their field, and they come in for a lighthearted and thought-provoking discussion. So speaking of guests, today we have Kojo Odepajan. Hi there. Did I get it right? You did get it right. Odepajan. He is a developer here at Open, and Adam Burnett is from Business Development. So gentlemen, I will let each of you take a turn and tell our listeners a little bit more about yourselves. Well, so as you said, my name is Kojo Odepajan, and I'm a developer here at Open. I've been a developer, Drupal developer, for two and a half years now, um, working on all types of projects, big and small, and just, you know, Drupaling out my life. Every day you're Drupaling. Every day. Every day. All right. So my name is Adam. uh, I'm part of the business development team here at Open Software. Uh, I moved here from Toronto about a year ago, but I am a almost 10-year native of Ottawa. I went to university here. It's a great city. Um, lots of fun, uh, lively activities happening regularly, uh, and it's a beautiful city, good place to, to live in. So, yeah, that's basically my intro. And you also have a very, very special fur daughter with you today. I do. She's actually sitting right underneath my chair. My, this is my little dog, Eve. She follows me Eve everywhere. is a Shih Tzu? She's a Shih Tzu. She will be nine on December 14th, so we're going to have a little Eve birthday party. We definitely are. Eve is one of our resident office dogs, and she definitely spreads the love and the pets and the cuddles and the licks around the office. What's her role here? She is the manager of petting procurement. That's right. All right, so I am going to break down the agenda for today's podcast. So first of all, we're going to be getting into our tech talk, and we're going to be talking to Kojo about decoupled Drupal. Then in the biz breakdown, Adam's going to talk to us about digital engagement, specifically in culture, heritage, and arts. And then for my marketing minute, I'm going to be telling you about my experience out in Red Deer for the 2019 Canada Games Summit One, where all of the uh, national partners and sponsors of the Canada Games get together and share knowledge. And I actually did a presentation. And then, of course, at the end, we will finish off with our Drupal dad joke. So to get started, I wanted to talk about something pretty cool. Have you guys heard about this Hyperloop train that might come through Ottawa? I guess in October, Hyperloop announced a Toronto-Montreal corridor with a stop in Ottawa as one 10 finalists it's considering. It promises to offer speeds surpassing 1,000 kilometers an hour. So like you can get from Toronto to Montreal in less than half an hour. Yeah, that's crazy. It's pretty quick. I cannot wait. Um, did they already finish the prototype one they were building in Sacramento? I have no idea. Okay, because originally they were building a prototype one from Sacramento to L.A. area, somewhere like that, and it was supposed to be crazy fast as well. Um, so I'm curious if that's another one of the finalists, or if that's already been built, tested, and now we're on to this one. Is this an underground thing? Not necessarily. It doesn't have to like be. it would just be a tube? Um, yeah, exactly. When they built it as a test, they basically built one large circle as a giant tube and the train is just inside and propelled 
and they just ran it around in a circle to test and make sure that it was actually fine. It's fascinating stuff. That's crazy. How long do you think it takes to get up to like a thousand? Seconds. So like what would the like inertia or gravitational pull of that be like? They like they wouldn't be doing a beverage service on that. Peeled back. Yeah, no, I would assume would be flapping. there's a lot of like theoretically it's a thousand let's say kilometers per hour. Yeah. Um, but there's probably it probably goes much slower at the beginning and actually kind of bell curves up the speed to make you adjust for it. I would assume. I would, I would hope so. Yeah, kilometers an hour. Yeah. So, so you probably wouldn't concept. feel it that strongly. Okay. In theory. Because, yeah, that would just be uncomfortable when you'd have people throwing up. That's not a good way to yeah. business. <laughs> Gravity yeah. test. Yeah. <laughs> Passing it. I mean, how, like, even if it takes half an hour, like half an hour and like five barf bags later, are you going to go back? Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. You <laughs> Never mind, they got one. They got one. I go on roller coasters. Same concept. But do you throw up on roller For coasters? Hour, Every time. What? No, I'm kidding. Oh, I was like, I would not go back. I don't know, half an hour of throwing up is a lot of throwing up. That's a lot of throwing up. Yeah. That's a lot of throw up in general. Um, so, yeah, that was my cool uh, piece of news that I thought was interesting, obviously related to Ottawa, where Open is headquartered. Um, yeah, what about you guys? Well, so the interesting thing I can segue from yours, so basically one of the backers of this Hyperloop is Elon Musk Mm -hmm. um, of Tesla fame and SpaceX fame, um, who's a huge backer of this, but they also just announced their new Roadster and semi-truck, all-electric semi-truck, which is pretty impressive. Uh, That's my cool thing for the week that I've been looking at, because the thought of just like transport trucks being replaced by these all-electric monsters is pretty cool. Yeah, they have, uh, what was it, a thousand kilometer range on them? Yeah. On one battery charge, they can recharge in 30 minutes and go another 600 right after that. Exactly. That's insane. For a transport truck? For a transport transport truck. truck. Yeah, a full, like, and he built a, uh, like a, essentially a working model of one of the biggest transport trucks to show that it's Mm -hmm. doable in a large scale. And a segue off of your story, uh, (laughs) Loblaws bought into that. And uh, so Loblaws bought into the driverless cars and the with the the same kind of the semi truck. So they're going to be pilot project uh, on a pilot project for um, delivery in the Toronto area with their new semi truck. Yeah, they signed on for fifteen trucks, I think, like like right away. Pre ordered them. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. And Walmart, Walmart and did Walmart the same as thing. Well. So two of Canada's biggest retailers are now moving towards essentially automated of deliveries. Yeah. Well, so one of the interesting things is it's not actually, like, completely automated. Throughout the entire presentation, Elon actually, like, made a point of being, like, these are not fully self-driving. We still want to have people, like, have jobs as transport truck drivers, which is cool. So the cabin is re-engineered. It's only got, like, one seat. It looks super comfortable. It's got tons of space. It's like a recliner. Exactly. It's a massage chair. Yeah, it actually looks like it would be super comfortable. And I know, like, a bunch of truck drivers, so, like... They're not super comfortable to just sit there. They find all types of ways to make their lives more comfortable while they're sitting. So yeah. having this one that actually looks like it was engineered to be almost lived in. I don't know how I feel, though, about a, like a transport truck being driven by a computer. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot of weight and a lot of speed to rely on a computer. And I mean, I guess you could argue human error is even more dangerous, but... I, I don't know. I just I, that I couldn't imagine like looking up at a huge transport truck down the four hundred one and not seeing someone in it. 
That's fair. I think the issue is more the combination of both human error and the computers. Computers are going to follow the rules every single bit of time, even mm-hmm. though they don't make sense. Humans what if are it never malfunctions, though? Well, that, that's an interesting concept. So I know that when it's talking about um, AI and driverless cars, the biggest question right now is the ethics of driverless cars and what happens when an accident is inevitable, who gets priority mm-hmm. in that question. So... Do you give the driver the priority? Do you give the passenger the priority? Do you give pedestrians the priority? If the pedestrians are older or younger, do you give the older or younger people priority? Yeah, that's a good point. That's and a good question. So to answer the question of following the rules, that's computers good... may not always be able to follow the rules because there's a human interaction yeah. in there as well. Well, it's kind of, it's like to break it down even like more simple than that, it's kind of like driving here versus driving in Montreal. Mm-hmm. In Montreal, everybody drives aggressively, and if you try to drive safe, as opposed to more aggressively, if you drive more passively, you're actually causing more accidents, probably, than the people who are driving aggressively, because everybody's used to it. Yeah. Whereas here, everybody drives kind of passively, so if you drive aggressively, you may cause accidents. The problem is having both robots driving and humans driving, because humans will do one thing and robots will always do another thing. They're going to cause accidents together, that's just mm-hmm. inevitable. I don't know the solution at this point, but technology, am I right? (laughs) I want to move now into our tech talk and talk about decoupled Drupal. First of all, Kojo, Mm -hmm. what is decoupled Drupal? That is a great question. Um, Decoupled Drupal has become kind of a buzzword, um, or decoupled anything has become a buzzword. All decoupled means is basically, as far as, I'll just talk about it as far as Drupal is concerned, mm-hmm. but basically taking Drupal as a backend where users can enter content, um, conf- do configuration, create blocks and things like that, and separating it from the end of what the end user sees, that front end, the interaction, the design perspective. Um, so all decoupled means is instead of kind of having those together, we have one and then we have the other. And they communicate to each other, but they're not a part of each other. Kind um, of like a married couple. <laughs> uh, a little further apart than a married couple. Okay. More like a divorced couple with like child children, cu- shared custody. <laughs> yeah. Okay, got it. So in, more more twenty first century. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, basically the idea behind decoupled is that because there is a limit to what you can accomplish with the Drupal front end. You can't build really complex apps like you would see in, for example, like something as interactive heavy as like an Uber or something like that. Um, you need better libraries and just kind of better code to be able to build those heavily interactive things. Um, Drupal is really great for managing everything in the back end. It's fantastic. It's a super robust system. So we don't want to get rid of it completely. We want to still have that experience, but we basically just want to send information from Drupal to this app that we can then configure. So that's the idea behind decoupled. There are a couple different ways to go about it, mm-hmm. um, but the general idea is that we end up with more robust apps at the end. Okay, so it's a disconnect from the back end of uh, a web project to the front end. Exactly. Okay. And this has become like a huge focus in Drupal 8. Um, Drupal 8 was built with a lot of this functionality in it, um, including REST services. REST services are just a representational state transfers. All it means, like in a layman's term, is Drupal allows us to expose information in a kind of stateless way where we can then take that information and use it in our app. Um, and this is built right into Drupal 8. So anytime we build a content type, for example, we can then just kind of export that content as a string of information 
and that information we can pull into anything we need. Okay. So to clarify, mm-hmm. decoupled Drupal is a thing in Drupal 7, but it's built into Drupal 8? Exactly. So is it decoupled anymore? No. So the ability to decouple is built into Drupal 8. Okay. Decoupled is not mandatory, and in some cases it's not even the preferred method. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what we do, for example, with Drupal is we build really large sites for larger organizations um, like the government of Bermuda, for example, where we'll have thousands of pages, um, because the apps require so much more interactivity and kind of custom work, building thousands of pages isn't that realistic. Um, building kind of scalable things like that isn't realistic in a decoupled app. So we use kind of Drupal's front end for that. And it may end up with more static pages, but it's better for a very large organization. Okay. For things like uh, the Royal Conservatory of Music, that is a decoupled site, but there are two parts of that site. Um, the front end, which is just information, um, which just a user would go to and just kind of look at to see what they have to offer, is just the regular Drupal front end. But the whole sign-in piece, where a user can sign in, uh, book an appointment, do all this crazy interactive profile stuff, um, that's a decoupled app in and of itself. And that lets us basically heavily tailor the experience of one user to make sure that everything is as friendly as it can be and the user experience is fantastic. Okay. So that begs the next question then, why decoupled? Why is this a thing in Drupal? The reason is just to basically use everything that's at the forefront of web technology. People have been hearing about apps like, or sorry, technologies like React, Angular, things like these that everybody seems to be using and that's just for the heavily interactive front end and the great user experience. Um, We can't do that just using Drupal as a base. Uh, We don't have enough control over the elements as they come out on the front end to be able to use that fully. Um, So Decoupled allows you to have more? Basically, Decoupled allows us to build every page from zero. Okay. So because we're building every page from zero, we're just pulling in information where we need it. So if I have, for example, an article page, in Drupal right now it gives us basically the article page, and then we theme it and we make it look nice. With a decoupled site, basically, I build out a page, I send a request to Drupal that says, hey, I need article X. They would send me just the text of article X, and then I would put it in my page. But everything around that page, I've built. Okay. So it's just a lot more custom. Super custom. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about how you use this for um, the Royal Conservatory of Music. That was a project that we recently... um, (laughs) launched so I'd love to know how did that project use decoupled yeah so uh, the Royal Conservatory of Music as I mentioned a bit before uh, the whole user sign-in is part of a decoupled app so users are able to basically create accounts um, and they're either going to be students they're going to be teachers or they're going to be parents and basically regardless of what type of user you in you are you can sign in um, you can declare kind of who you are and then you can do things that are tailored to your experience. If you're a parent, you can add your children into the accounts um, and sign them up for exams. Um, if you're a teacher, you can sign multiple students up and then sign your students up for exams and make sure that those are registered back to you to show that you're a teacher in high standing or whatever. Um, and then if you're a student, you can just sign yourself up. But all basically the technology for adding these students in, creating relationships between you and another person, booking an exam, choosing a time slot for when you're actually booking this exam, 
Uh, all of this is built using a decoupled app where we're just pulling information from Drupal. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, mm-hmm. how do you sell, and maybe this is a question more for Adam, but like, how do you sell decoupled Drupal to a client? Because if I'm thinking this from a marketing perspective, okay, you're telling me we've got to do one thing in Drupal and then we've got to design this other thing and then we've got to connect them. But with something like WordPress or Squarespace, I mean, I'm assuming those are for smaller scale, but what are the selling factors to actually sell and get someone to sign on to, okay, yeah, decoupled Drupal is what we need to go with? I think a lot of that conversation comes up in project discovery and mapping. Um, It would typically be to add functionality or features into a site that Drupal wouldn't typically um, offer. Mm -hmm. So I would say that um, most of that conversation happens in the development stage. Um, Yeah, some some of it definitely might. A lot of it needs to be thought of beforehand just because it does matter how you build the site in terms of doing that. So yeah, a lot of it is like what Adam said, during project discovery or something like that, we'll be like, what are the custom pieces of your specific solution that you want built? Mm -hmm. And we'll look at those custom pieces and be like, can we build these in Drupal? Does it make sense to build these in Drupal? Um, How engaged do the users need to be? And then we'll kind of go from there. There is another thing, because it's become such a buzzword, there are a lot of clients who come up and say like, hey, I want a decoupled project. Yay, let's do decoupled, Um, which isn't always the right solution. As I mentioned, there's a lot of capability to do a lot of great things, but because we're separating Drupal's front end from its back end, we're also losing a lot of the content workflows, um, the little edit buttons and things like that, all the configuration that's all over the place, the stuff that makes Drupal a CMS. We're losing that um, content management system functionality because we're now separating out that front end. Mm -hmm. So it isn't always the best call. Um, If you need something highly configurable, and that'll come up during project discovery, then decoupled for you. If you need content workflow, decoupled might not be for you. Okay. Or if you're not too strong in Drupal and we're not necessarily maintaining a service contract with them, it does make the front end of Drupal a little bit easier to use post-launch, post-handle. Yeah, for sure. If, okay. if we do not have a support contract or they don't have the capability of keeping up a decoupled app, then it's really difficult um, just because it is too functionalities to monitor mm-hmm. um uh there is a happy medium um for people who don't basically shouldn't have a fully decoupled uh, basically shouldn't have a fully decoupled site because they need that content workflow but also want that highly configure uh configurable option mm-hmm. um and basically all the advantages of decoupling and that's progressive decoupling um big term but all it means is we'll decouple some things we won't decouple other things um, so we'll use Drupal's front end where it makes sense. And if you have pieces of functionality that you want to use or that need to be super custom, then we'll design those separately. And that has worked for a couple projects we've done. Uh, one project we worked on needed it, basically this really interactive calculator as part of a page. So we just built it separately as its own standalone piece, plugged it into Drupal, and basically on that page it would just appear. So the page itself still had all the contextual links, still had all these configurable options that a CMS should have, mm-hmm. but we also had the little app pieces. What did around. you use to build the app? Um, in that case, we used a JavaScript library called Polymer. Okay. Yeah. So I guess all like all this has to do with the end product, right? Like yeah. what clients want their their audience or their the people who are coming to their site what they want their experience to be ultimately to um 
make sure their digital engagement is as as good as it could be. Exactly. Which is such a perfect segue. Yeah, what an interesting segue. (laughs) Because now, as we move into the business breakdown with Adam, we're going to be talking about digital engagement. So a digital engagement strategy provides a framework to work through as an organization from vision and objectives to tangible results and metrics. Your strategy can help you gain a better understanding of who your audience is, what they expect from you, and what technologies or processes can help you to realize your goals. And Adam is going to tell us a lot more about this. That's right. So um, I think a good starting point is why is digital engagement important? A lot of organizations will have a strategy for reaching their people, to use cultural institutions as an example, like a museum, people go into the organization, they interact with the exhibits, they climb on the structures, they walk around and look at the art or the sculptures, things like that. But being able to become digitally engaged means that you are essentially breaking down the walls of that museum. You are allowing an audience who may not be able to reach the museum, may not be in the same city, province, country, anything like that. Planet. Planet, coming up soon with Elon Musk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it allows you to reach an audience that is outside of your typical patronage. A lot of museums are talking now about reaching um, younger people, having people who may not be as educated in culture come into their organization or into their buildings so that they can... Um, interact with them and teach and and learn and and grow. Having something digitally uh, means not only in on-site but online as well. Creating an interactive website where you're able to dynamically post content and have people become spend more time on your page, that's the name of the game with any website, Mm -hmm. um, is important. So maybe let's talk a little bit about Open's experience with cultural institutions or things in that in those verticals and uh, kind of like what projects we've done with them. Sure, yeah. Um, so specifically with museums, um, we did some work with the Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21. That is in Halifax. So if you can imagine hundreds of thousands of new Canadians coming into the country, they register. It's basically Canada, Staten Island. So everyone comes in, they register. I'm from this country, that country, and you get a little piece of land and you disappear into Canada and that's how Canada is essentially founded. That has a lot of um, value to people who may not know their roots throughout Canada. The museum was using a third-party museum software called Collective Access that has all of Canadians essentially their uh, immigration records. Open Software built a tool to integrate this software into the museum's website so that Canadians are able to go to the museum's website look up their family names, kind of like an Ancestry.ca type of thing, and uh, see, essentially trace their lineage through Canada and when their families came and if you're able to find them, what names they used, etc. So kind of a cool way of of Canadians interacting with their family history and the museum while doing it digitally. Very cool. Um, And if I'm not wrong, we've also done some work uh, with digital displays with at least a museum. I think we've done a couple now. But basically, and that would be also kind of an example of decoupled work as well, where Drupal is the central central repository that holds all the information for these displays, and then we basically build kind of an app um, or instantiate, kind of spin up an app on every one of these displays that pulls in and displays the information. Right. 
That's really cool. I've just pulled up the website actually as we're sitting here. So do your relatives had to have come through Pier 21 though? I believe so. Okay. Because sure. my parents are straight off the boat from England, but they went to Winnipeg and this was like 36 years ago. So I don't think oh, we'd no. be on there. I think we're talking hun- like yeah, we're confederation talking kind of. Like hardcore Canadians. The originators. Yeah. The OG Canadians. Yeah, the OG. OG Canadian. Well, as OG as you can be, I guess. Yeah. I guess my, my last question for, for your segment is, what are the trends that you've been seeing? What kind of digital strategies or digital engagement strategies have cultural institutions or you know the heritage and the arts, what have they been using? What's popular? What's something really, really cool that uh, other museums might aspire to? A lot of museums are moving towards Drupal. I think that's a, a main trend that um, museums are typically migrating towards. I think because of Drupal's flexibility in things like decoupling and being able to power multiple different channels of delivery, Drupal is a good choice for any kind of cultural institution that's looking to have sort of an omni-channel delivery. I know that the Canadian Museum of History, War, Immigration, Human Rights are all on Drupal. The AGO, the ROM, like we're talking some of the largest museums and cultural institutions in Canada are all moving towards one type of technology and it's because of its flexibility for that. And that's because these museums or cultural institutions have so much information, right? And Drupal is like the man when it comes to managing tons and tons of content. That's right. Exactly. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your insight, Adam. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, now it is time for the marketing minute. Today, what I wanted to talk about was Open's partnership with the Canada Games. And at the beginning of November, I actually went out to Red Deer and Kananaskis with Adam for Summit One, which is for all the partners and sponsors. I had a really cool opportunity to present to all the sponsors and partners. And what I decided to focus on was how they could activate digitally at 2019 Red Deer. So some companies that were in, te- in attendance were Konica Minolta, Shaw Communications, Hotels Red Deer, Nova Chemicals, PV Mart, Todayville, the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group, the Pin People, and Red Deer County. And what I did was I actually gave a review of what we had done at the 2017 Canada Games. So we had done their website, the large screen displays, and their mobile site. And what we wanted to do was to get as many people to use the mobile site as possible. So while we did advertise it on the large screen displays, I wanted our activation to also help get eyeballs on this mobile site. So what we did is we created a secret page on the Canada Games mobile site that if people found, they could earn one of our Canada Games pins. And if you've never been to an Olympics or a Canada Games, the unofficial sport of these events are the pin trading. And every organization, every team comes up with their own unique pins and you collect and trade them. And it's a way to build community and get to know people. And it was really cool. So we only had a limited number of our pins, of the open pins, about 500 and to win our pin, people had to either find the secret page or they had to play us at this oversized Connect Four game. And the results were great. We had uh, one of the most sought after pins of the Canada Games. And it just goes to show you how thinking a little bit digitally, you can reach a bigger audience. So we even had people who weren't at the games, but we had shared on social media that we had this secret page and they were tweeting to us or Facebook messaging us saying, you know, taking a screenshot and say they'd found the 
the secret page and we mailed pins to them. So that was a really cool opportunity and uh, something to think about when you're you're getting involved in a sponsorship or a partnership. You know, it's not enough just to have a logo on your site that says you're the proud partner of whatever organization you're a partner of. You really need to think about how you're going to make the most of that. And uh, the first three things we thought people should start thinking about is your site responsiveness, accessibility, and also the idea of could you create an app to get people more engaged on their handheld devices while at these events. Another really awesome part about being involved with the Canada Games are the really amazing people you get to work with. And from the 2019 Red Deer Winter Games Council, uh, we have a message from a very awesome person. Hi, I'm Leanne Waynes, the Director of Marketing and Revenue for the 2019 Canada Winter Games here in Red Deer, Alberta. We are thrilled to welcome our nation's athletes in the 2019 Canada Winter Games. The Canada Games are a nation-building event featuring 19 sports as well as artistic programming which will reflect our unique local culture and our pride as Canadians. We are proud to have Open as a national partner taking care of our digital presence from our website to large screen displays to an app. Visit us online at www.canadagames.ca slash 2019 to check out their work and more. And now, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It is time for the Drupal Dad Joke of the Month. <laughs> the rules are simple, gentlemen. You get one joke, and Brooke, our producer, will pick her favorite. The prize? Recognition for being a comedian. A Drupal comedian. I would like to start with Adam today. All right. So an SEO specialist walks into a bar, bars, tavern, fun, date night, Ottawa. <laughs> Is that dad enough for you? <laughs> the first time I was like... What? I was like... bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> you it took me a minute. I was like, is he having a stroke? Like, why is stroke. he? Why is he just saying words? And then I was like, oh, those are his SEO terms. Those are my SEO terms. That's great. I like that. That's way better than anything I could do. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go next. All right. Why was the Drooper developed? <laughs> it's a combination of Drupal and developer, and it comes out as Drooper. Oh, God, I think that's a, a good lot term. Of, there's a lot of snorting happening today. <laughs> I'm a drooper. Um, okay. Why was the Drupal developer sad? Anyone? Because she didn't know how to express herself. Oh. oh. That's adorable. Cute. Because <laughs> a node is a, is a tech term in, uh, in Drupal for those who are unfamiliar and node, what is a node didn't know. It's a piece of content. That's right. Node is a piece of content. Node your limit. Play within it. Finally. Kojo. Kojo, you're up. Uh, so I know you said dad jokes, but I've decided to go playground child instead. Okay. Because who doesn't like a good your mama joke? Um, <laughs> so mine is your mama's so big. I increased PHP's max file size and she still won't upload. <laughs> <laughs> I like the voice that you used on that. There's definitely like a cadence to your mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Has, your it mom. Has a flow. Yeah. It has yeah, yeah. a flow for sure. Yeah. 100%. All right, Brooke. Okay, so I'm back again to judge the Drupal dad jokes. All hilarious. I like the Drooper. I think that's here to stay. Oh, yeah. But uh, 
this is kind of yeah i'm you know what it's, it's it has to go to adam business development is really really honest really on a roll with these jokes too good and mainly because seo is hilarious Susie and i just learned a lot about it you can read it on our website because we wrote a blog about it seo be the ceo of seo Exactly. That's a great plug, bro. Yeah. You know, it's I'm a, a producer, but... <laughs> I did that on purpose. Totally yeah, on did, purpose. Uh, a little blog post. Be the CEO of SEO and uh, a couple of recommendations for great SEO plugins. No. What do they call them? Modules. Modules. Not plugins. All right. Congratulations, Adam. I will go back to the drawing board for now. <laughs> anyway, that is it for us today. I wanted to thank Kojo and Adam for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge, humor, and just your presence. It was it's been lovely. So Oh, congratulations. <laughs> first podcast. So we'll be back with a fresh episode in January 2018 featuring Open's El Presidente, Chris Smith, will be on the podcast. So you're definitely going to want to tune in for that. We are wishing you and your family and friends and pets and everything like that a wonderful holiday season. And we will see you next year.